Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind, a show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. So let's go back in time to when cats defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And knowing was half the battle. Yo, yo! Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nidell. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind, a cartoon podcast dedicated to bring you back to your childhood. I am Tim Nidell, of course, and Happy New Year, first of all. Wow, 2016 really flew by. It was a crazy good year for the podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. And, you know, here's to you, your family and friends. I hope 2017 is a really good year for all of you. And as for our very first interview of the year, it's with the one and only Squire Friedel. Now, I'm sure a lot of you are probably saying to yourselves, who the heck is Squire Friedel? Well, if you were like me and watched a ton of cartoons in the 80s, which I'm sure you did, I guarantee you saw his face probably more than any other person in your childhood on TV because he played Ronald McDonald between 1984 and 1991 and all the McDonald's commercials that we remember as kids. For me, personally, I was born in 1980, so he is he's the Ronald I remember. He is the one I go back and and have so many fond memories of seeing him smile, you know, and, and, and of course, making me fatter as a kid, too. But uh, Squire, such a great guy, such a great interview. Here's a couple audio clips of some of his commercials. I don't see any fry kids up here to steal my McDonald's french fries. <gasps> Surprise! Ronald McDonald in. <laughs> fry kids. Did you know I can turn into a McDonald's? Uh, let me see, let me see. Okay, I'm turning into a McDonald's. <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> and the cool thing is he actually makes wine now. Check out his website. It's glenlionwinery.com. G-L-E-N-L-Y-O-N winery.com so please go check them out and of course check us out online it's saturdaymorningrewind.com follow us on facebook and twitter follow us on youtube make sure to check out our patreon campaign if you want to get your name mentioned in our podcast donate to the podcast if you want to help out financially and of course all of those links are on our website it's at saturdaymorningrewind.com but anyways guys thanks for tuning in here is squire so is it? So what's up? Is it pronounced fry, uh, as in fry? fry as in okay. Fry, okay. As in fry guys. I know. I, I noticed that. Yeah, I get the same thing. My last name is Nidel, and people say either Niddle or Nidel, and so sometimes people so are you're wrong. You're Nidel. Nidel, yeah. Well, if we had married, we'd be. I'd be Squire <laughs> Frydel Nidel. <laughs> well, and then it, if we divorce and I married Bobby Rydell, it would be Squire Frydel Nidel Rydell. <laughs> Let's not go there. Yeah. Okay, so take me back to that moment when you first walked in to audition for the part of Ronald McDonald. Uh, I didn't know what the role was for. It was supposedly top secret, and it was called Operation Red Shoe. If I were brighter than I am, I probably would have gotten it. But it was for a clown-like character. My agent at the time, a guy named Penrod Dennis, uh, called me up and, uh, and said, you have an audition on such and such. I said, great. 
and uh, clown-like characters. So I was on my way up, and I stopped by Hollywood Magic, and I bought a couple of juggling balls and, uh, you know, a little flower that squirted out, Uh a couple of little magic tricks, uh, thinking that I could use them because clown-like character, many probably did some sort of sleight of hand, juggling, whatever, and I could juggle. And so uh, I went in to the audition, and there was nothing to indicate that it was for Ronald McDonald. It was basically just an interview, uh, no script, I don't think. Hmm. And uh, I just pulled out my juggling balls, and I did the interview while I was juggling. I guess, you know, you always try to get a handle on something. Um, And so I did. And then I forgot about it. And then about two months later or so, my agent called back, and he said, you remember that gig that you auditioned for? clown-like character and i look back in my notes and i said oh yeah yeah Mm. in those days um there were there were a lot of auditions and i didn't it really didn't come to mind and so i thought oh yeah that was the one where i took the juggling balls and so this time i didn't have to stop at hollywood magic i just brought up my juggling balls and the little flower that squirted and Mm. stuff and i went in and i opened up the door uh, and there were seven guys sitting down dressed like Ronald McDonald. <laughs> and then there were other actors that were auditioning. And then I got it, of course, duh. And so I went in the, uh, the little side room there and got the makeup on and put on a costume and came out and went in to do the audition. And this time I think there were some little improvisational moments or whatever. And so I, again, did the same thing I did during the audition, started to juggle. And uh, bingo. Uh, about three months later, I was uh, Ronald McDonald replacing uh, the actor who had done it, a fellow named King Moody, mm-hmm. who was really the first contemporary Ronald. He's passed away now. Uh, but uh, then I became Ronald. So you said there's seven people that were there for the second audition? Yeah, and I, I, I knew them all. They were all actors that I auditioned with all the time. And in fact, one of them, Dave Ruprecht, who's still a great pal, he was the guy on Supermarket Sweeps for all oh, those yeah. years. Okay. Uh, great pal. In fact, he just performed uh, our daughter's wedding ceremony here at our winery in uh, Glen Ellen. Do you think it was the fact that you came in and, you know, you tried harder than the others did? You came in with an act, with a clown act. Do you think that would, that's what appealed? Uh, sure. I, I wrote a book uh, in 1980. It's in fourth edition. It's still out called Acting in Television Commercials for Fun and Profit. Uh, it's been out since 1980, and it's still in print. Wow. You can get it on Amazon.com. And uh, I, it was the first book on how to audition, how to get a job. And a lot of people can do the job. Only one of them gets the job. And so that's the tricky part is being able to nail the job. And one of the things is always find an angle that you don't think other actors are going to, mm-hmm. um, uh, to think of. And uh, so... If you get an audition for, uh, say, a Lipton iced tea, it might be a good idea, in the old days anyway, to stop by the store and buy a little packet of Lipton iced tea. And then when you go into the audition and, you know, everybody always pantomimes everything, and you say, uh, now, gee, wouldn't it be good for something really delicious right now? And you say, hey, I got an idea. How about this Lipton iced tea? And you pull it out of, you know, your pocket. Yeah. And everybody that's looking at the videotape later on would go, oh, my God, that's really cool. You know, I really believe that guy. Yeah. And what you're doing is you're just making things as realistic as humanly possible in a very unrealistic audition situation. 
Exactly. The interesting story about learning to juggle, if you have a second, I'll tell you. I do. It's kind of fun. Uh, about two years before that, we lived in Los Angeles, and we built a big house on the beach. And we had one of my wife's old dance partners. She danced with the Nikolai Dance Theater for 10 years. And he was out from New York, and he was a street clown. I say He would do um, his routine on street corners in New York City and hold his hat out. That's how he made a living. His name was Carlo Pellegrini. And I was looking down at the beach, and Carlo was out on the beach, and he was juggling. He had three balls, then four balls, then five balls, and there were a whole gaggle of little kids around watching him. And I just watched him and watched him and watched him, and I thought, how cool is that? We were having dinner that night, and I said, geez, Carlo, that was just wonderful what you were doing. And he said, what? And I said, you were juggling for all those kids. And he said, oh, anybody can juggle. And I said, you know, I've tried it, and it's pretty hard. And he said, nah, I can teach you how to juggle in a day. So I said, okay. And he said, we'll do it tomorrow. And so he brought out some juggling balls. We went up uh, into the bedroom because it was over the bed. He didn't have to follow the balls all over the place when Uh they bounced. And uh, and in a day, he taught me to juggle. And I got the biggest kick out of that because I would always follow my wife in the the market. And I'd grab the oranges and I'd juggle three oranges. And, you know, I just thought it was kind of fun. It's fun to juggle. And that is where I learned to juggle. And then about two years later, of course, I get this gig, and I think it was probably because I took in juggling balls. Yeah. And so I wrote Carlo a note, and I said, you know, I wish I could send you 10%, but instead of that, I'll just give you a cheeseburger. How's that next time I see you? <laughs> nice. You know, and he was that. just out for our daughter's wedding also, and we also talked about that. In his wedding present uh, to our daughter, she was just married here on July the 30th, was to do the same routine he did when Susie and I got married in 1977, and that was his Captain Bo's Road Show. He has a monologue that goes with it, and he juggles uh-huh. it. It's just really cute, but it brought back all sorts of <laughs> memories and and the rest. Very anyway, nice. that's how I ended up being Ronald. Yeah. The day that I signed the contract is the day that we put our house on the beach in Southern California on the market, and we began to move up to Sonoma Valley, and we uh, bought 26 acres of raw land, uh, planted a couple of vineyards, built a winery, built our home, and that's where we are right now. But when you then again, and uh, I'm... I don't know how old you are, but as you look back on your life, you look back at all those little tiny events that seemingly were innocuous and didn't mean much at the time. Exactly. But as you get older, uh, you look back and you go, oh, my goodness. You know, if my fifth grade teacher, after (laughs) I said a poem in class back in Westfield, New Jersey, if she hadn't have taken me aside afterward and said, you know, you're pretty good at this and sparked that little thing, then you and I would not be talking right now. It's just because of that that woman a long time ago that's so true you know i i tell a funny story that when i was i think i was around 10 years old i'm 36 right now so around when i was 10 i used to carry around a, a handheld tape recorder and i used to audio record cartoon characters from the tv and then i would go in my bedroom i had a dual cassette player where i can edit and i used to sit there and pretend to interview these cartoon characters as if i was like letterman or you know somebody like that and now here I am, sitting here, and I do the same exact thing on the show years and years and years there later. Yeah, who knew? Who there knew that go. that would turn into something? Who knew? And you know, when I wrote my book in 1980, I had five hard edition copies made of it. I was very proud. It took me three years to write the book. Uh-huh. I was very proud of it. It got published by Random House. And I found the five teachers that were the most responsible people in, in directing my young life over the years, from my fifth grade teacher in Westfield, New Jersey, that I found, and this is before the Internet, 
So it was pretty tough to find her, but I did. And I found all five teachers, and I mailed them a copy of it. Uh-huh. And my little inscription on the inside said, you may not remember me, but you changed my life. Thank uh-huh. you. Wow. Did they remember you? Uh, yeah, I started a correspondence with Mrs. Peck, who now lived in, uh, she's passed away now, but she lived in uh, somewhere in Florida. And we kept on a, a great pen pal uh, relationship for a, for a very long time. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the first time you donned the Ronald McDonald makeup for your very first commercial. What was that experience like? Uh, first commercial, I was, uh, they were slowly replacing, they thought slowly, replacing King Moody. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was uh, getting older. I looked a lot like him, only sort of a younger version. And uh, I was the backup guy. And so I would, uh, King would go in and shoot a scene, and then I, sitting to the side, would go in and do the same scene. Wow. And I did that for the first day, and I could see that it made King upset. Hmm. Because here his, this young upstart was coming along, and and they were comparing what King did with what I did. And I'm a good actor. I'm not a great actor. I Mm -hmm. I was a good actor. I'm a good journeyman actor. I'm very angular. I hit my marks uh, in the world of acting. When you do something nicely, they always say, gee, that was clean. I'm a very clean actor. And uh, so I went to them and I said, I can't do this. Uh, Either you shoot King on one day and you shoot me the next day, but he can't watch my work, and I can't watch his. It makes him nervous. I don't care, because he's got the job. And uh, so they said, okay. And so the following week, uh, they did it that way. And then two weeks later, uh, I was doing Ronald completely. Did you ever keep in touch with King at all? Did, were you guys friendly? No, uh, it, we were not really friends. Um, and it, it sort of made a funny and, and sort of an awkward relationship. Here I was the young upstart. I don't think King was ready to retire. It was certainly not voluntary on his part. And so I, we, we just never kept up a, uh, a relationship. You know, the the thing that really drew me to your Ronald, like I said, I was born in 1980s. I was perfect for your rendition of Ronald. I loved how you, you gave him a human personality. He wasn't just a clown. He was actually a, a friend. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think I got that, quite frankly, because uh, I, was, I watched, believe me, so many different commercials, because it gave me, in those days, VHS commercials of all the stuff King had done. Mm-hmm. And then I also have a history, believe it or not, of the history of Ronald going all the way back to um, uh, the fellows on the Today Show. Um, I can't remember. His oh, name yeah. Um, oh, what is his name? Willard Scott. Yep, yep, yep which you would not recognize as being Ronald. No. He had a box of food on his head, and he had a Dixie cup for a nose. Uh, <laughs> you can still see some of those things on YouTube. Um, but he was sort of the prototype. And we joked about that, too, because I shot a television series uh, with Willard after that. And, okay. And uh, he was uh, very excited that, that he was working with a guy that eventually became the Ronald McDonald that he helped start as a prototype. Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting. But it was, uh, it was really fun. Uh, was it fun to do Ronald? I did it for seven years. Um, and yeah, sure, it was fun. Uh, one of the problems, of course, was when you had children on the set, which wasn't very often, but when you had children actors that you, that you worked with, it was difficult because there needed to be a degree of magic when they saw Ronald. Yeah. And if I just sat out there and uh, had lunch with them and took my wig off and whatever, <laughs> it 
sort of destroyed that that magic moment. Yes. So I asked them if they would give me a trailer so I could always, after each take, go into my trailer and take my wig off so I wouldn't, you know, so the kids didn't become disillusioned. Exactly. Yeah, Disney does the same things. They, they will not allow any of the, you know, character actors to remove any part of the costume in front of the public because it will destroy the kids. Yeah, it sure would. It sure would. And if you have little kids on the set that are visiting or guests or whatever, it was the same thing. You'd finish doing the scene, you'd go over and greet the children and as your Ronald persona, and then drift off into the trailer and go hide. So I, I've got to know, do you really enjoy McDonald's food? Was it something you ate? Well, you know, uh, I always like what Ray Kroc said when they used to ask him about that. You know, this stuff is unhealthy or whatever. You know, they, they have a lot of different kinds of food. You can go to the market and you can buy a pound of beef lard if you want and eat it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's probably not a good idea. <laughs> and you can get a big six-pack of Coca-Cola and go drink, sit out in the parking lot and drink it all, and you're going to end up with diabetes and you'll end up with fat and all sorts of stuff. But go have a salad. Yeah, you know, they make great salads, and uh, every once in a while, I mean, what tastes better in the old days than a, than a French fry? Jeez. I know, I know. But you just can't eat I, them all the time. No. Of course. <laughs> so uh, I once had a tele- telephone interview from uh, a fellow from Australia. No, it was uh, New Zealand. And uh, he was asking me, because they had this brouhaha about uh, people protesting in front of McDonald's places because the food wasn't healthy or whatever. And and I said, and it occurred to me when I was talking to him, I said, have you ever been to a Ronald McDonald house? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen what they do there? Mm-hmm. Well, no, but, and I say, you know what? McDonald's is probably one of the most philanthropic organizations on the planet. And those Ronald McDonald houses, they support. And they don't ask any money from anybody. Yep. yep. And I only did one Ronald McDonald house when I was a, uh, when I just became Ronald, there were 150 Ronalds around the United States that did all the, the store openings and the hospitals and like that. And those guys really were clowns. They were not actors per se. They were clowns, uh, Ringling Brothers and all the rest, very talented guys. And they asked me if I would like to go do one at the Chicago uh, Ronald McDonald House. And I said, sure. So I flew there and I got in costume and I got in makeup and whatever. And then I went in this uh, in a room and they had, they had moved the little boy over to the hospital because he was, wasn't in great shape. But I zipped over there and, you know, said hi to a bunch of children as I was walking in and everybody. And I went and sat in this little lad's edge of his bed, and he's got tubes coming out of him, and he's got no hair. And I just started crying. That was the difference between somebody who's a real clown and somebody who's just a stupid actor, because I couldn't do it. They hustled me out of there in a heartbeat. Wow. Uh, it's the only one they ever asked me to do. No, that had to be an emotional. I, I actually, my family, my, my dad, um, in 98, he uh, suffered a major health issue and was actually hospitalized for about three months. And the Ronald McDonald house actually, and the hospital was about an hour and a half away from our home. And the house actually put my mother up in a house for free. They didn't charge anything, and... and I was I was always so grateful for that because I know having her next to him all the time definitely brought him back. Sure. So I was very and thankful. That's a good part. So if you want to go protest the fact that uh, McDonald's cooked their their French fries and beef lard or something, just don't eat them. <laughs> exactly. For God's exactly. Sakes. I, I don't quite understand that we don't 
don't take individual responsibility for our own actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're a, a fat guy with a huge cholesterol problem and you see you eat Eggs Benedict every morning and you uh, go to McDonald's for lunch and you go to McDonald's for dinner and you don't ever have a salad or eat anything green, uh, then, you know, <laughs> it's your choice. You do what you want. But you can go to the best restaurant on the planet. Uh, you go to Danielle in New York City. You go mm-hmm. to the French Laundry in Yountville. You go to wonderful restaurants in Paris or in London. And there's stuff on that menu you probably shouldn't eat every day. Nope. You know, I'll have the snails with extra butter. <laughs> yeah, probably not a good idea. <laughs> so tell so me. So just be responsible. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Tell me about working on the movie Mac and Me. That had been kind of a unique thing for Ronald to do. Yeah, uh, it it was okay. I think it started out as a project uh, to to put Ronald in sort of a spotlight. It was kind of a E.T. ripoff. It, it was. Uh, and the closer they got to actually shooting this thing, because I got scripts from the very beginning, the less and less and less that Ronald had to do in the film. And I really, it was just eye candy. It really wasn't anything else, uh, as I recall. I mean, I had a couple of lines or whatever, but I, I don't know what the hell I did. Yeah. Uh, I haven't. I, I got paid. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, so I, I honestly don't remember too much about it. No, nor do I, and I was in it. <laughs> <laughs> since your days of being a clown, you've gone, and like you said earlier, you started this winery. Tell me about your wine business. Uh, well, before that, uh, keep in mind that that uh, all told, uh, long before I ever did Ronald McDonald, uh, I had written a book about acting in television commercials. I, I think I probably shot more television commercials for different products than any other person on the planet. Mm-hmm. 3,400 of them. Wow. The biggest one was Toyota. Yes. Uh, and if you ask me whether or not I would have preferred doing Toyota commercials or McDonald's commercials, believe me, it would be Toyota. Mm-hmm. Because that, was, that lasted for 29 years, wow. if you believe that. And that's got to be a, almost a steady job in the world of acting. Yeah, seriously. So that was uh, that was really uh, the one. And so McDonald's was just another set of commercials. I was also a spokesman for a, a lot of different products. Um, and I just forgot your question that you asked me. Uh, the winery. Oh, um, the, as I said, the the day that we um, um, that I signed the contract for the McDonald's uh, gig is the day we literally put our house on the market. We'd already purchased because I wanted to move away from Los Angeles. We, had a, we built a big house on the beach. We had our daughter, our only child, the one who was just married. And uh, we were watching her crawl around the carpet. And I looked down on the beach right in front of the house, and there were a bunch of 14-year-old kids having a good time. And they were smoking dope and drinking beer. Mm-hmm. I looked at my wife. We looked at our little baby and thought that maybe this wasn't a perfect place to raise a family. I was in the Marine Corps. I'm a fairly conservative fellow. Uh-huh. Uh, I looked at my wife. We looked at our baby and thought, let's move. And so we looked all over the country. Uh, I was doing an awful lot of stuff for Toyota at that time and shooting in a lot of different cities. We looked in uh, Utah and the Salt Lake because we like to ski. We looked in upstate New York. We looked in Cincinnati because that's where Procter & Gamble was from. We looked in Texas. But we'd always come up here and visit my father who lived in the wine country up here in Sonoma. And uh, we just happened to bump into 26 acres of raw land up here and fell in love with it and bought it, started to build a cottage so we'd have a place to stay. But it soon occurred to me that I I couldn't move. 
I was an actor. There's mm-hmm. only two places in the United States I could live and make a really good living. One of them was not Glen Ellen, California. And so we thought, what can I do? So that's when I really started to hustle and try to get another commercial contract. I had Toyota. I didn't know how long that would last. Um, and that's when the McDonald's thing came along. And that's why that literally the day I signed the contract is the day we put our house on the market and started to move up here. And then we uh, moved up. I didn't know anything about growing grapes, uh, but we had, you know, if you live in, if, I, if we moved to Holland, it would have planted tulips, I guess. Mm-hmm. But we had a, a beautiful piece of property where we live now. And we had a two-acre area down below that didn't have any trees or anything on it. So I took a class at the junior college about um, about vineyards. And I, I like to work with my hands. I'm, I'm a car guy. And I thought, yeah, this would be fun. And so we planted a two-acre vineyard down there, and I learned to grow grapes. And then uh, we, uh, after about five years, and I was trying to make wine, make wine in the house down in our wine cellar, and it just was a mess. <laughs> it's messy making wine. And my wife just said, you got to get out of here. It's not working very well. And so I said, okay, so we built a small winery, and then that expanded. And then in 1997, we planted our upper vineyard, another five acres. And uh, then we got very, very serious about it. And so we built uh, a full-blown winery. And if you're, if you're, guys like things like cars and stainless steel and fittings and things like that. Uh, I'm one of those guys. Yeah. And to just be in a winery, that's my favorite place to be on the planet is just go down there, and I'm surrounded by stainless steel and equipment that's so cool you can't believe it. Oh, it's amazing. And for some reason... Yeah, if you get out here to the West Coast from uh, Montana, uh, shoot me an email, and I'll show you around it. Yes. We have the prettiest place in all of Sonoma County. If you go on our website, uh, Glen Lyon Winery, G-L-E-N-L-Y-O-N, winery.com, and take a look at uh, the view. Uh, we just had a drone come out here. Phyllis' son has a drone, and we put it on the website. It's just incredible. Yeah, no, it's I absolutely watched, breathtaking. I watched it last night, and I watched oh, it. I watched it like three times. Like that is amazing. It is. We built the whole damn thing. That's <laughs> the most amazing part. Yeah, no kidding. And suddenly, all, all of a sudden, I have a visual of you wearing like giant clown shoes, almost like you know Lucille Ball, just squishing <laughs> the grapes, trying to make wine. <laughs> well, a little similarities. <laughs> <laughs> a little similar. Not with the clown shoes, though. Yeah. I did, uh, and don't tell anybody from McDonald's this. They probably won't hear this. But I swiped a pair of the shoes, and I have them. Oh, good. I'm glad. Good and for you. And every time we do a Christmas card, we do a funny Christmas card. In fact, send me back an email and send me your mailing address. Okay. I'll send you one of our, because we do a, p- a picture postcard every year uh, for our wine club. We have a 1,000 people in our wine club. Nice. And it, they are hysterical pictures. They're always a takeoff, and I'm always wearing my Ronald shoes. <laughs> I love no. that. I don't think I'll get sued for that. No, I don't think so. You stole. There's a statute of limitations, I think, after seven years, so <laughs> nobody can nail me on that one. Exactly. I didn't murder anybody, so you're okay. <laughs> and you can also order wine for people listening. You can also order wine for your website, too. No, you can't, actually. Okay. The only wine you can order, we are... Uh, completely allocated to our wine club. But if you're interested in the wine club, uh, then just you know go to glenlionwinery.com, G-L-E-N-L-Y-O-N, winery, you can probably say winery, .com, and uh, you can um, get on the wait list. Nice. Uh, but we do have two wines that you can order. They're both our daughters. Uh, 
she became an actor, uh, Broadway, uh, Pee Wee Herman Show, Avenue Q. In fact, she had vocal cord surgery yesterday in Los Angeles from doing eight shows a week singing. Wow. That's, that's what ruins you. Yeah. Um, and hopefully the surgery will come out, um, come out good. But you can order her sparkling wine. She started to make sparkling wine two years ago. Um, and now she's living, living out here on the West Coast. And that's called Lexi's Toast, and it's a, actually a kind of a caricature of Lexi on the front okay. holding one of her puppets from Avenue Q. It's very cute. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I saw, yeah the, I saw the one that you made that almost looks like a clown. I love that one. Almost looks like a clown. Certainly not enough to get sued. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Squire, was there anything else you wanted to talk about or promote? No, no. Uh, everything is just fine. I, I appreciate uh, the conversation. Yeah, no. Nobody, they... talks to old, nobody talks to old people anymore, so. <laughs> I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, thank, myself. And thank you so much for coming on. This is honestly a huge honor because, this, I'm being honest right here, you brought me joy as, as a chubby little kid, so thank you. <laughs> as a chubby little kid, great. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks.